Welcome to the Nexodus podcast. We continue our study through the book of Genesis as the Most High continues to wake us up and help us to understand who we are. The ancestral documentation is alive. Although it has been fragmented, it has been repurposed, it has been mistranslated, it has been reprinted, it has been through so much, but the word is forever. And we're thankful that our Savior, the King of Kings and the Mighty One, told us when he was on the earth that when I leave, many will come in my name saying, I'm the one. And you'll see that throughout the book of uh, John in the New Testament and uh, chapters 14 through 16, where he talks about all of the, the, how the spirit, he talks about how the spirit will lead you into all truth and that you will need no man to teach you. And that's what the Most High is doing again, is that he's breathing his word and to align what the Savior said. Jeremiah said the same thing, that he would write the words in our heart, that we will have a heart of flesh. So in these years of the return, ever since 2020, the Most High has been doing a new thing. Although in the physical, it appears to be somewhat the same, but you do see the signs with the, the wokeness in, in pop cultural spaces, uh, people being able to research, people being able to connect, people being able to see further than what has been done in the past 10 to 15 years. Daniel, one of the prophets as well, who saw these times, talked about that knowledge would increase in the last days. So as we're ga gathering this knowledge, there is still misinformation, there is miscalculations, there's all kinds of things that need to be discerned and that's why we need his spirit to guide us which is imprinted in our souls when we are a part of his divine seed and we're looking back into the documentation and being able to now see a critical part in the history of our people and you find that in the book of Genesis. Remember, Genesis is the genealogies. It is the beginning. It is the genomes, generations. It's infrastructure upon which everything else is built. So once we understand the ways of the Most High and we begin to understand how he moves and understand how he interfaced with our people and how he interfaced with Akobi or Jacob, then we will begin to understand a lot more about his nature and what he's doing in us because it's all the same. And what's so interesting for me, even as a young child, reading the scriptures and feeling so connected to it and seeing parallels in my own life, my life would have certain things happen and I'm like, oh, wow, that's what Abraham went through. Or, oh my goodness, that's what Jacob went through. Or that's what Samuel went through. Or that's what, and this would happen over and over and over again till this very day where now, the understanding of where the Holy Land is in the in the South, in the Southern Hemisphere, the garden, the land they call Africa, Abu Khalan, the land of promise, we're seeing so much parallel and we're seeing the distance, the locations begin to resurface in the scriptures. So that's what I'm talking about, how the Most High can just take his word and at the right time, it will realign itself because the dry bones will live again. And Ezekiel prophesied to the dry bones when he was he was in a vision. He saw the valley of dry bones. And remember, dry bones 
is representative of a broken spirit. In the book of Proverbs, it says, a broken spirit dries the bones. So I look at the Afro peoples throughout the diaspora who's been spread throughout the lands who have left the center of the earth or left their homelands to go into other lands and captivities for more work, for whatever it may be, the lack thereof and left their home. They only left because there was nothing there or had been downtrodden, had been devastated. And he said, Jerusalem would be in devastation. It would be depleted. No one would be able to really stay there. So we look at where Jerusalem is, which is, as we're studying, is in the south, in Namibia, around the Kalahari Desert, which is deserted. It is no longer there, all the way up into the uh, the walls of Zimbabwe and all in that area is the southern kingdom of Jerusalem. That is what we are learning, working with geologists, working with the scriptures, doing the studies. And this is what the Most High is revealing to his people because this is the time of the return. So the Most High is slowly waking us up. He said, piece by piece, I will give it to you so that I don't consume you at once, as he told the prophets when we were in different types of captivity, Assyrian captivity, Babylonian captivities. Roman captivities. There was always a slow burn, but the problem has been is that we didn't obey the ways of the Most High. We didn't keep his covenant. We didn't keep his laws that our forefathers, our ancestors did. So we went astray. And we see throughout scripture that if you go outside of my covenant, these things will happen. But he did make a promise to our forefather, Abram, that we would come back to the land and that he would bless us and that he will pull us out of captivities and bring us back to the land. So that is the journey we are on right now. So that's why we call it the Nexodus. We are now in Genesis chapter 30 and we are moving forward and we are asking that the Most High will continue to reveal his word, reveal his ways, reveal his insight to us so that we can continue to realign our lives where we are now to begin to get in alignment with him so that his power can be revealed for the nations to see, for his power to be revealed, to heal our land, to restore the years. And the unfortunate part is that there's only going to be a remnant who will heed and take to the, the scriptures and will come back to the father. And that remnant is spread throughout the earth. And it is not a racial thing because the seed has been spread in many different ways over the times, over the seasons. But the Most High is doing a DNA check and those who hear his voice will come. The Savior says that as in the days of Noah, this is Matthew chapter 24, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man will be revealed or when the kingdom is coming or when there's a, the shift of a time, the end of an age, the end of this age. And at that time, he was talking about the Roman Empire, which the Roman Empire is still alive and well. But it has descended itself into its seed lines and they are currently ruling in those lands because Rome is of the European descent. So the European power or the colonization has been ordained by the Most High way back because of the disobedience, because of different cause and effects and ramifications and residuals and so forth and so on. But the Most High said, I'm going to reset. So remember, everything is in cycles. So if you're paying attention to the signs of the time, you can discern what is happening as the Most High begins to move and put things in order. So don't be deceived. Do not be deceived. That was another thing that our Savior said before he went on. He said, 
uh, th there will be many deceivers in these days, many who would speak the name of the Most High. They would speak about good things, but the fruit and their lives will be different. So the most important thing we can pray for in this time period is discernment that the Most High give you the intuition through his word, not to necessarily be completely the word is the most important thing in these times is that you have to understand the word through the Bible. And I want to make sure that we understand that concept because the spirit, his spirit will move through the written word and make it a living word or the logos will become rhema, will become pula, alive, will be full of the spirit. Because he said in Ezekiel, dry bones live again. Once the dry bones live again, I will put my spirit in them and they become an exceeding great army who will bring forth the kingdom to come. So it's really important in these times that we begin to reassess, realign, reevaluate the scriptures, reevaluate our lives and make the decision to make those changes. And we're going to see some of that in the documentation as we go into the scripture. So Genesis chapter 30 is establishing the chosen seeds generation through obedience. He already gave the promise to Abram. We went through that. He went to uh, Isaac. We've studied that. And the word that the Most High spoke is now being solidified through Akobi, or as they put it, Jacob. And Akobi is the Yoruba term for firstborn. Akobi is the firstborn. And you see that in the book of Exodus. If you don't let my firstborn go, I will do A, B, C, and D. So a lot of these translations, which put Esau first, Jacob second, all of that, we have to reassess. And the Most High is making it much more clear on what the original text was saying and how it aligns itself in different metrics. It's going to make sense throughout scripture because scripture has to interpret itself. And some of the translations that we've been given through the different houses or the different um, groups, the ecumenical groups, whether it be the Nicene, the Constantinople, the different groups that have placed their interpretation and translations, King James, New Living Translation, so forth and so on, all the different groups. We can see now that we look at the scriptures from a critical point of view, from an objective point of view, that through the captivities, whether it be the Sahara slave trade, which placed a lot of things in the Arab lands, or the European slave trade, we find a lot of Eurocentric ideas placed on the scriptures as well and in the lands. But the Most High's word stands forever. And he, he left so many fingerprints that helps us to realize what he was saying, who he was talking to, and where were some of the locations. And one of the great locations, as we've already studied in Genesis chapter 2, says that he created the garden and he created Adam and then he created Eve and he created them east in the garden in the land of Ethiopia by the Nile. So we know we're dealing with the beginning of civilization and our history books also confirm that. So we see that among the scholars, the oldest bones were found in Hadar, Ethiopia, that's confirmation outside of scripture, according to the nations. So certain things the Most High will not allow people groups, Satan, demonic powers, anything to maneuver that because his word is settled. And that is the word that we want to be looking for through the Bible, through the scriptures. So let's go in and see how the Most High will lead and guide us 
as we approach this and learn how Jacob is now becoming the solidifier, the substratum, the base upon which the nation, the, the ones who are set apart to show forth the glory and to be completely committed to the ways of the creator and was supposed to be an example to the nations. Right now, we're not an example to the nations. We are a derision. We are at the bottom. We are in a, a lower state, but the Most High is waking us up and he is setting us free. So as we still continue to prophesy to the dry bones, as the Savior said, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be when I'm coming back. What was happening with Noah? The, there was a cycle change. There was a flood coming. The, the Most High was going to cleanse the earth and everything in it because of the wickedness. This is a similar situation that is showing itself in real time with all of our practices, all of the things that are happening, all of the contrariness we continue to do is now putting the earth not with water, but fire, global warming. Oh, that's fake. That's a hoax. Da, 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 da. Cool. We know that the earth is responding and that things are getting worse to inhabit. And we know that the, the mental infrastructure of the, the leaders and the ways of this world is being driven by demonic powers or by principalities and powers that were already set and told in the ancestral documentation. So if you go back to the ancestral documentation, you're going to understand and overstand what is happening and how you can align yourself. But when Noah was talking, no one would listen to him. Uh, he's just talking. He's doing that fairy tale stuff. He's off. That's wrong. That's the white man's book. That's the this. That's it. Everything. Noah was going through. But what did he do? He stayed the course. He was obedient. And from him, the Most High regenerated the earth because of his obedience. So it's going to be really important to walk in obedience. And we're seeing here that Jacob was following the blueprint that his father and his grandfather left in front of him. What a beautiful legacy. And you see people in the world now who are rich, who have followed the ways of their fathers and has stood and understood what has been passed down when Ham, Shem, and Japheth came off of the, from the ark and was beginning to regenerate the earth again, they were sharing with their children, with their seeds, the ways of the Most High. And that's important that we share the ways of the Most High with our children. Because once we overstand as the Most High is waking us up in these seasons, we have to document and then be able to share with them, this is how the Most High operates. And Shem had Aram, he had Arphaxit, Elam, these are all the sons of Shem, and he taught them, and they taught their sons, and they taught their sons, and Abram was able to spend time with Shem, as we discussed earlier in our earlier podcast, and with Eber and all these different people, and the same thing with Jacob. They stayed with them, because remember, they were superhuman. They were living at a, a high level of intensity before the flood, and then they still had that energy that was passed down to their children, but at a lower state because the Most High wasn't giving his power at the highest levels anymore because he knew human beings couldn't handle his power for that short time that they were alive. But now we have Jacob, who is still operating at a pretty high level of high vibration a high resonance frequency for a lot of the terms that we're using now. That is what he was operating from. And he learned that from his ancestors. He learned that from his forefathers, his, his grandfather, his great-grandfather, they were all living together. So just imagine 
You see it now when people live with their grandfather or live with their grandparents, how it impacts them so greatly that that the jewels that they give them, the wisdom that they give them, the insight, the resources, whatever it may be they give them helps sustain them to be able to pass it to their children. So we're seeing Jacob is now the guy who's going to solidify this. And in the midst of that, it is not a perfect picture. You're dealing with a lot of drama. We're about to see a lot of drama going on and we see the natural um, inclinations of human beings in this in our seed line. We see the the, the warring and the fights and the, the, the internal battles that we con we constantly see right now where there's beefs between each other. Even when you see a beef from different gangs, Crips, Blood, Vice Lords, all these different groups who are battling each other in the streets for street cred and for uh, different types of reasons, although it is misguided, it is still in their DNA, it is in their structure to have dominion in the land and we fought with each other and we're going to see internal fighting in the scriptures. So that's why I love that this documentation is bigger than just um, a religious book that has been dictated and, and has been presented to us in a way that is not absolutely accurate. But we're going back through and the Most High is demystifying, he's decolonizing, he's breaking down the, the scriptures to us in a practical and in a um, objective and in a cultural way so that we can tap into it and begin to live in the divine nature that is allotted to us and to our seed line because we are vicegerents or we are the caretakers of the earth. That is our job. We, the Most High is first, the earth, and we're the ones who are supposed to take care of the earth. And you see that in the land. You see how we have all the animals there, how hospitable we are. Even I look at when you go to a crosswalk here in L.A., there's usually, which is a quote unquote low paying job. It is Afro people who are guiding the people. You know, even during slavery, a lot of our mothers were nursing and teaching the children. If they were animals, why would you let animals teach your children? So there's so many misnomers that we have to discard and understand we were in a captivity of our own doing and someone capitalized on it. They capitalized on our ignorance, was able to move through on it because we had internal wars that created ramifications and we are about to cover the beginning, the root, the genesis of our issue so we can see from the stem what was happening? How do we go off? Even if we can't get the exact tribes down, because I'm not going to go into the tribes and all that, but we're going to look at that from sort of a, a symbolic way. But we're seeing how family structure was built, how our proclivities, our personality types have been formed, how it was orchestrated through our parents, through what they were going through, how they saw things, what they were feeling was then ingested, was manifested into who we are as human beings that we pick up on. And once we become more aware of that, we can yield ourselves to the Father and he can help us where we are. While you're in the captivities, understand where you are and start moving back towards Eden, start moving back towards righteousness, getting back into the commands of what the Most High has called us to do. So I laid that foundation. Let's go into the scriptures. Genesis chapter 30, verse one. Now, when Rachel saw that Jacob or Akobi, she bore him no children. She envied her sister Leah and said to Jacob, give me children or I'll die. And Jacob 
he got angry. He said, how, what are you talking about? I can't do what the Most High does. The Most High is the one who blesses us with children. So right now you're seeing that Rachel had a envious energy that began to fester in her mind and her heart because of the circumstance of not being able to produce children for Jacobi or for Jacob. Why was she upset? Because at that time period, she understood that this is the groundwork for the nation and I don't get to participate. How will I live forever? How would I be a part of the promise that the Most High gave to Abram from Shem? Oh, she understood all that. They knew the ways of the Most High. So she's like, I need to bear seed. So you have to understand the context. We cannot approach these scriptures from a Western mindset, from our captivity mindset, from our brokenness, from the way the world has presented children and childbearing to us. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, the childbearing was to multiply. That was always the command was to be fruitful and multiply. So if I can't be fruitful and multiply, why am I here? I, my mass will die. I must I will be nothing. So that's the, the context from where she's coming from. So it built an envy in her. It wasn't a desperation like I'm worth nothing. It was like, no, if I don't bring children into the realm, especially at this time period, when I know you're solidifying the, the rule of the kingdom through which the, your rule on earth will happen through our, our seed, through our family, through our tribe, I'm worth nothing. So that is the context. And we have to understand that as we're moving into the space. So he said, she was like, look, you take my maid, you take my maid, Billa, at least if she has children on me, then that's my child. So she picked that up where? From Sarah. Sarah did that earlier. So she in pocket understood how her great grandmother or how the great grandmother of Jacob did what she did to get Ishmael and, and birthed Abram's first child. And Jacob was like, oh, OK, I get that. That wasn't the best way to do it, but it was a way that had been done in their family line. So he was open to it and birthed with Billa. Now, Billa would be if you're doing pedigrees, Billa was a servant or a concubine. And, and remember, the multiple wives was a natural occurrence. And it is in many parts of the earth. And the idea isn't to just have a bunch of random women, but it was to sustain a family, to build, to be able to work the land, to be able to expand your 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 seed, to expand your your tribe and to have it all keep it all in the family and, and, and build strong people that you can live on the earth for long periods of time. And Jacob had the resources to be able to take care of his wives and his family and such. So that's what opened that door. But from the beginning, before sin came into the earth, it was male and female. But after the the constant breakage and all kinds of things that were going on, the Most High obviously allowed these sorts of things to happen. But in that Look how much drama and problem he was having. Because ultimately, first, he just wanted Rachel. He wanted Rachel and Laban tricked him. And then Leah. So then he got Rachel. And then Rachel couldn't have children. And then you add this person. And then this. So all of these things were, once again, ramification of one sin or one contrary, one deception, one thing that was outside of the natural flow that then produces more problems. So we see that happen in our own lives. You do one thing, uh, then you got to tell another lie. If you do this, then oh my goodness, it started this. And now this opened up and now this Pandora's box, as they call it. Right. So 
we understand the scriptures and we relay it to our personal lives and we can see the constant mirroring and the relatability of scripture. So in chapter 30, verse three, so she said, have my servant Billa, have my child. And she gave, Jacob went into her and she conceived and bore him a son. And then Rachel said in verse six, the most high has judged my case. And he has also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore, his name shall be called Dan. So Dan was birthed in a form of what? Deception and envy. So imagine that type of energy being birthed in that way. That brings the pedigree down in the psychological and in the spiritual capacities of an individual. Does it mean he can't, he's less than? No, it's just what it is. It's pedigrees within that family structure, just like you have caste systems in, in certain areas, or you have tax brackets. All of these concepts you find here in the scriptures come from situation, bloodline, context. Those things all play a role in where someone stands in the hierarchical structures that are built in human constructs, whether you find that in the feudal systems back in the European spaces or even in Afro lands where you had the king and you had his court and then you had jesters, then you had servants. That's all tears. Same thing happens in family lines is the point. So Rachel now is in deception and then she's in denial. So we have denial, we have deception, we have envy. This is the energy that she's operating under. So you have to remember that as we're moving along because it begins to show up so much more as we progress into the story to see how this is impacting her and that it ultimately led to an early death. So we have to realize that everything that is happening in our lives, the energy that we take on, the decisions we make, the people we connect with, when we do it, how we do it, the intention, the attention that we push or put into the atmosphere is impacting us even to the physical level. Most of the disease, if not all of the diseases are impacted from a spiritual standpoint and from an emotional standpoint that then shows up in the physical. If you're stressed out all the time, if you're speaking negatively, if you're around negative people, blah, 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 that can cause cancer, so forth and so on. Am I saying all the diseases are coming from those situations? Possibly so, but it is not, I'm not making that a rule. I'm not saying that people don't get diseases or become sick or die outside of those laws. But in most cases, if you peel it back and able to talk to an individual or look at their family history or observe certain elements, you can see how those things impact because that's just human nature. The spirit and physical realm is always intertwined. So we look on and we see that in, in the next verse, and then she gave Billa again, like have me another child so I can know for sure that these are my babies. And, and in verse seven, Billa conceived and bore Jacob a second son. And then Rachel said, with great wrestlings, I've wrestled with my sister. So look at that. That envy is kicking in. She wasn't doing it completely with the right motivation to build into the family line and so forth and so on. It was jealousy and envy toward her sister. Like now, now I know because Leah had already had children. She was prospering. She was the older one. So Rachel was dealing with a lot of pain, but looking just as fine as ever because Jacob loved her the most. And but, you know, as they always say, the outward appearance of most of the women that look real, real good on the outside, on the inside, 
it's a whole nother story, but we won't go into that right now, <laughs> but we will focus on what we are talking about here in the scriptures. So Rachel said with great real uh, in verse eight and Rachel said with great wrestlings, I have wrestled with my sister and indeed I have prevailed. So she called his name Naphtali. Now Billa had Dan, then she had Naphtali. And in Rachel's mind, this, this disease of envy and deception and, and confusion was now be making her delusional. So one thing opens the next door. So when the scriptures talk about when our Savior said, when a spirit goes out and it goes to waste places, it goes in and causes even greater issues or brings in seven stronger demonic powers. That's in the book of Luke chapter 11. So we're seeing that principle alive here where Rachel was opening the door for so much influence. And remember, demonic powers and spirits can only attach to actions and feelings that we hold on to that are contrary to our being, that is contrary to who we are. So when we hold on to envy, when we hold on to bitterness, we, we are now inviting, it's almost like we are availing ourselves in the physical and in the spirit, we're attracting these types of energies, these type of demonic powers to come through to manifest and solidify that emotion that was the gateway to them coming in. It was the portal through which they find their way through. So now we see uh, in verse nine, what did it do now for Leah? So when Leah saw that she had stopped bearing children, she took Zilpah. She was like, oh, you did that girl? I got a servant too. I'm about to get her and ask her to lay with Jacob. Like, hey, she should be a part of the family line as well. You did it for her. You should do it for me. So Jacob is in a mix right now because his family line is being built up and it has all of this strife and envy and, and delusion and, and, and like any other family, right? All of our families have this mix up of all kinds of personalities and types of ways of being. And the most high still moves through it all because we're all infected, affected by the curse of sin, by the curse of going outside of the Most High's natural law, which our ancestor did in the beginning. So it just keeps replicating itself in each generation. But as the generations begin to realign themselves to the ways of the Most High, then we can get back into that state of rest and that those areas of our lives can be salvaged so that the Most High can dwell and have his spirit realign us again, put a new spirit in us and take the heart of flesh. So we're just seeing what happens in human nature. And this is a whole drama series with a lot of action going on. So now we go back into the ancestral documentation of what our ancestors did. And we see here, now Leah, well, that she had stopped bearing, took Zilpah. She's like, oh, I can't bear children for him anymore. And she just wanted to keep having babies. So when it stopped and she saw that Rachel had put Billa in the game. She said, let me put Zilpah in. And now Zilpah bore him some sons. And Leah said, a troop comes and called his name Gad. So that guy is strong. So you know that the Gadites, they were a warriors because that was the energy that mama said I am. You know, mama made me in that regard. So the mothers, the women play such a significant role in building the family. We think that's a, a obsolete and an old way of doing things, but the personalities and the ways that our children think and are comes from mama, the nursing of the breast 
or the nursing of the mind, the emotions, how they perceive the world, how they are comes from mom. Now the father absolutely plays a role from a seed level and, and builds the infrastructure of the child and the essence of the child and the uh, mental structure of the child, but the mom fills in all of the rest. So you see that the Most High has always had this dual partnership between the male and the female and how it's so important. And now we can see within our society, especially amongst our own people, while we're at a state of brokenness because the family structure has been redefined, has been broken, but that has been done on purpose to avoid this prophecies from coming together. But the Most High said it cannot be stopped. It will come to pass, but that's why I will be a remnant. So we are speaking to the remnant and we are hoping and praying that those who are outside, those who are not in the fold, those who are aloof, those who are outside of the covenant will begin to repent begin to acknowledge and get back in alignment. And the Most High is gracious and faithful to help all who call out to him. Everybody, any nation that calls out to the Most High, not these fallen gods, not these false gods, not these gods that have come in different forms that are now religious leaders. We are talking about the Most High, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who made all things. That's the one we're talking about. And this book, has the fragments, has the infrastructure, has the inspiration that is helping realign us back to the Most High. So that's what this study is about. In verse 12, then again, Leah's maid Zilpah had another son. So first she had Gad, now she had Asher. And what did Leah say? I am happy for the daughters will call me blessed. She's worried about what other people think. So you're seeing, you can imagine what the conversations are like when they're all together at the, the, the dinner table or over on the corner talking what they talking about or at the hair salon, what they going through or when they out there tending the sheep or cooking or whatever is going on. You know that there was some deep conversations because she's saying now the daughters, all my all the women in our camp is going to know that I'm blessed because I did this. So she's in the same delusion that her sister was in, which is reflective of Laban and who Laban was. And he was from Midian. So we're seeing this this bloodline. And we talked about that earlier, that that bloodline was um, at a certain level in the pedigree, but wasn't at the top level. And I'm using pedigree just for the lack of better terms, not to demean or to speak of um, humans and animal form. But I'm just speaking from a structural standpoint, as I explained earlier. Now we see in verse 14, now Reuben, Reuben was the firstborn of Leah. In those days, the wheat harvest and the found mandrakes in the field. So this was in connection with the earth. He, he, they were master caretakers of the earth or what we call quote unquote farmers. But do know that agriculture is the most powerful, will never go out of style, will never lose its rank in the earth. That's why most of the major billionaires and such are invested in land because land is everything. Land is the most important thing because if you have land, you can do everything. So do not minimize the power of the land. That's what makes us very powerful as a people that we've lost because we were uh, the reverse psychology or the captivities or the curses or the disobedience or the lies and the mistreatment of us and the land has caused us to push away from the land. So we just like the land from afar, meaning we like cars and we like clothing. We like that. But why wouldn't you want to get to the actual source so you can make your own cars or make your own? So we have to understand that we are in our dark ages 
as I was talking about in our podcast, Out of the Sean with Kofi. So check that out. We are in a state of brokenness because of what we've been through. So we're seeing here that Leah wanted to get back in the game, uh, wanted to be a part of the lineage. So once again, I'm not trivializing this. It is a important part in the development of the nation of the firstborn. The nation is being built and everyone wants to be a part of that so that they can be forever. Remember, the, Leah understood the lineage, the, the matriarchal lineage path as well. Sarah was given the blessing and Sarah's seed would out of it, kings and queens would be in it and that it would be innumerable as the sand of the seashore. Then same thing with Rebecca, that's Isaac's wife. And the scripture says in Genesis chapter 24, verse 60, they blessed Rebecca and said to her, our sister, may you become thousand of ten thousands and may your offspring possess the gates of them that hate them. So she was, if you multiply a thousand times 10,000, that's billions. So there are billions of us in the earth, right? So we can understand if you do the numbers amongst all the nations, who who's operating in the billions and who isn't, then you'll see that this is an ancestral documentation. And that's what's really important that the Most High is unveiling and beginning to give us these little context clues. I like to call them fingerprints. Through all the mistranslations, through all everything, the Most High still, his word is forever. And his word stands. We always refer to how Satan would always come and have to ask for permission to do anything. And the only way negativity, weakness, or low vibration, low frequency thought processes in people can only be done by permission. Only can be done by permission. Just like when we get a birth certificate. Once you have a birth certificate in this nation, you have given the child over to the state. You have given them over so that now that becomes the property of the state. So now we see why when they kill us or they treat us like animals or like they did as slaves, it was because there was a documentation. There was something that was given over. So once we give our rights over, once we yield our members over, whether it be us or our parents or our forefathers, our ancestors, once we concede, we are now susceptible and given over. So we're seeing this happen right now. And Leah says, I'm happy among the daughters because they will call me blessed. They will call me like Sarah, like Rebecca, I'm, I'm the one. So here we go again, the back and forth. And we get down, as we, as we said earlier, in chapter 30, verse 14, it was a season of harvest. And Reuben went out, got some mandrakes and brought it back. Then Rachel said to Leah, give me some of your son's mandrakes. And in verse 15, she said, but uh, is it no small matter that you have already taken my husband? Now you want to take my son's mandrakes? So they fight and they going back and forth because they're the matriarchs, right? They're the they're the double up of Sarah and Rebecca. There's two of them now, and they're trying to fight for who's going to be the ruling queen. So that's the issue when you have a lot of, as we say in the West, baby mama drama. There's going to always be the one who wants to be the main one, and so forth and so on. Especially if you're dealing with a, a rich individual who has a lot of wealth there's always going to be the scrappings for who's going to be the main one at this time it was about seed line it wasn't financially driven completely but it was about who is his seed going to who are these promises going to manifest through so that's what the issue was about so it wasn't completely vanity that they were fighting from or fighting for or fighting each other with this was 
who was going to preserve and build the nation, who was going to be the, the foundation for this nation that is about to germinate into billions, who's at the who's at the forefront. So that's what this battle was about. So we can understand from that standpoint why it would be such a tough situation for both. But they negotiated. She was like, all right, let me get the Mandrakes. You can lay with him. You can have him right now. You can get one up on me. I just need those Mandrakes. So Leah agreed. And when Jacob came out of the field in the evening, Leah went out. This is verse 16 and met him and said, you must come to me for I surely hired you with my son's mandrakes. Look at the energy there. <laughs> so she's like, I negotiated with your favorite, Rachel. And she said, you can come with me because I gave her some of my son's stuff. And Jacob is like, all right, cool. Jacob didn't fight. You don't see Jacob fighting with them. Whatever they say, he does. And you see that right now. As they say, the woman rules the house or the woman is the neck and the man is the head, but she's the neck that controls it and controls everything that he has. So all of your wealth, Make sure you have the right woman in place because she's the one who is going to establish that with the children and be the caretaker of your seed line, your tribe and who you are. So that's why it's important. The scripture says he who finds a good wife finds a good thing and obtaineth favor from the most high. Once the most high blesses you with the child or the most high blesses you with a great woman, that is favor because he wants to see himself reign or be replicated through your seed line. And the Most High listened to Leah and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. And that was Issachar. So J Leah's fifth son is now Issachar. She had Reuben, Simon, Levi, Judah stopped. Then Bila came, had Dan, Naphtali. And then she gave Zilpah. Zilpah had Gad, Asher. Then she comes back again. And now she brings in the fifth son and his name is Issachar because of the wages, because of the mandrakes. So that's the energy on Issachar. So Issachar was a deal. He was a deal maker. He was the one who came in as a result of a deal, a, a, a compromise, an agreement that was made between the mothers. And he was birthed in that type of energy. So that puts a certain high level of pedigree on him because he's coming from the first mom, but out of a, a wage and out of a a compromise. So there's that's the energy. And when you when we get through the scriptures and we start learning more about the tribe of Issachar and some of the things and the proclivities that he had, you can see it it it, it is connected to a lot of the things that was happening in the context of him being born. And that's for all of the seeds. And we'll get to that as we move through the scriptures. Verse 19, then Leah conceived again and bore Jacob a sixth son. And she says now, the Most High has endowed me with a good endowment. Now my husband will dwell with me. So once again, she's trying to be loved. She wants to feel secure. She's still battling with that. She would come in and out of that. You saw that earlier with her sons. And then she stepped out of it when she had Levi and Judah for a moment. And then all that stuff drama came up. So the insecurity came from Jacob loving Rachel more than Leah. The delicate eye that she has. So maybe she has some sort of deficiency in her eye. A sleepy eye, a wandering eye, many translations say it differently, but she was still fine and she could birth children and she was beautiful, but that was an insecurity for her. How many people, women, have insecurities that they are so awesome, but that one little thing makes them very insecure and causes them to make decisions based on the insecurity, which 
once again, all of us deal with that on, in one way or another. But amongst the women, it's a little bit more peculiar because of the different elements of their personality and the way that the Most High created them. So we're seeing this development in the scriptures here. So in Genesis chapter 20, I bore him a sixth son. I'm going to call him Zebulun, uh, meaning the final one, Z, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, all the way down to Z. It's done. Zebulun is the last one of her children. And then afterwards, she bore a daughter and called her name Dinah. Leah had six boys and a girl in the infrastructure of the 12 sons that were going to be the tribes from which the tribes came from. The 12 sons became the progenitors of the, the hundreds of tribes that are now dispersed. And we can't fully recollect, but the Most High is pulling the pieces together. And we're starting to see remnants of us in different areas and beginning to pull us and gather us together by bringing us back to the word, bringing us back to the land, bringing us back into alignment in different ways, shape or form as we find ourselves in the continent, off the continent, throughout the diaspora, Most High is pulling us back together. So she had a daughter and then in verse 22, it says, then the Most High remembered Rachel and he listened to her and opened up her womb. So the Most High is the one who gives babies. And babies, the birth of a child is such a powerful concept and idea when you have a child. And it's such a blessing because not only do you get to live on, but that you are now set for greatness beyond just yourself. You get to extend your life, your bloodline into a further generation. And that's a, a wonderful thing to be a part of. And she conceived and bore a son. And she said, Rachel said, now the Most High has taken away my reproach. I was the only one who haven't had a child. Now I've had a child. And Jacob was so happy now because his favorite woman, whom he worked for, whom he loved the most out of all of them, is finally bearing seed. She was bothering him at the beginning, saying, I need to have a child. He spoke. The Most High heard, saw her pain understood that she wanted to be a part of the lineage. She wanted to give in. She wanted to be there for Jacob. She wanted to be a part of the, the eternal uh, covenant. He blessed her with his son, Joseph. And we're going to learn a lot about Joseph. So we see the power that was on Joseph. We see why Jacob loved Joseph so much. And we'll get into that as we move into the scriptures further along. But let's keep moving forward. So now it came to pass in verse 25, and it came to pass when Rachel bore Joseph that Jacob said to Laban, send me my way that I may go to my own place in my own country. I am sealed now. He has the establishment of his family. He's been working with Laban for all this time. And now he had to be a man, a full man and, and create room for him to establish himself. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served and let me go for I have served you and I've done well. And Laban was like, nah, please stay, man, because I know you got the favor of the Most High. I would not be as blessed as I am if it wasn't for you. But he said, I'll give you the, how much money you want. He said, nah, 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 nah. I don't want nothing. So Jacob said to him, for you know how I have served you and how your livestock has been with me. For what you have had before I came was little and it has increased to a great amount. The Most High has blessed you since my coming. And now when shall I provide for my own house? That's a real man. That is a call to being your own person, not depending on other people to pay you wages, to give you a check, to give you a deal, but 
having your own. And that's tough. That is hard. And that's what the Most High is calling us to. That's what he's called his remnant to, that I'm going to bless you. I won't use other nations. I don't need no one to bless you. I need you to get in obedience to what I told your forefathers, what I told your ancestors, whatever your ancestors were doing, following those pathways. How are the nations doing well? They're following in the pathways of their ancestors. How are we doing horrible? We are not following in the ways of our ancestors, which is to serve the most high. It's really simple. It's more complicated than that, but it is the simple fact that we are not following the ways of the most high, that we're not following the way of our ancestors. So we are lost. We are starting. We are behind. We are starting behind the eight ball as opposed to being in alignment with what has already been laid like Jacob. Jacob was starting over, but he wasn't because he still had so many other things that were already laid for him that he was going to step into, but he had to get his own resource pool. So it is not enough to just come from a rich family and just pass the wealth on. No, you have to build your own wealth even in that context so that you can expand it. Because if you just pull on the wealth of your grandfather or your great-grandfather and you didn't maneuver it yourself, first of all, you're not going to be able to sustain it. You're not going to be able to deeply multiply it so that it lasts for multiple generations. You may be able to live off your grandfather's wealth for a couple of generations, but it won't be an exceeding eternal covenant. And that's what we're talking about. We're not looking just to be three or four or five generations deep. We, we are looking for what the Most High promised our ancestors forever. So if it's forever, that means each generation has to add their own. And Jacob understood that, right? He wasn't trying to be a trust fund baby and just get enough to be able to build a huge business and then act like you did it on your own, like most of these people in these nations do. Nah, you go straight from the ground. You obey like I told your ancestors. If you follow in my ways, I will bless you. I will give you the wealth of the earth. And that's what Jacob was communicating to Laban. In Genesis chapter 30, verse 31, Laban said, what shall I give you? And Jacob said, you don't have to give me anything. If you will do this for me, let me go take some of the flocks, feed them. And he, he brokered a deal with him. So they worked out that deal and Laban said, okay, according to my word, I will do it. So he, he did what he do. He put the flocks in and gave them a vision. He conditioned them. He trained them basically in one way or another in verse 42. But when the flocks were feeble, he did not put them in so that the feebler were Laban's and the stronger's was his, meaning Jacob's or Jacob's. And in verse 43, it says, thus the man Jacob became exceedingly prosperous and had large flocks, female, male servants, camels, and donkeys. So he was prosperous. He grew. He even extended even more. And they all knew he was about to leave. So in verse 30, we go to Genesis chapter 31, verse one. So now Jacob heard the words as Jacob was doing his work. He heard the words of Laban's sons. These are still family. So remember, this is internal wars. His family was like, mm, I don't like this dude, man. He taking all our father's wealth. He doing this. And Jacob overheard them. was like, oh, I think I've outgrown this area and uh, things are becoming hostile. I need to make the move now. And he saw that Laban wasn't rocking with him no more. Oh, Laban wasn't favorable towards him anymore. We got to We got to bounce. And this is when the Most High began to speak to Jacobi or Jacob in verse 31, three. Then the Most High said to Jacob, return 
to the land of your fathers and to your family, and I will be with you. Look at the Most High. Get back into the alignment. You went out because I had to do some work with you. I had to reestablish you. I had to strengthen you. I had to fortify you because I made this promise and you're walking in obedience. So I'm going to follow through on what I said I was going to do. But now I need you to get back into the flow so that I can bless you because those areas are already blessed. So he told him, return to the land of your fathers. And Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to his field and his flock and said unto them, I see your father is not rocking with me anymore. He's not cool with me anymore. But the God of my fathers, the Most High, has been with me. And you know that all that I, with all my might, I have served your father. So he's pulling to his family and talking to him like, you know how your dad is moving. You saw what I've done. You saw how honest I've been, the integrity, how much I've worked with him, so forth and so on. He's not really rocking with me, me no more. So he had to, he had to win the, um, the favor of his family because if they would have gone against him, he would have been in a bad situation. But he already received the word from the Most High. He began to talk to his wives and begin to get them on board. And he talked about how their father deceived him. Verse seven, yet your father has deceived me and changed my wages 10 times, but the Most High did not allow him to harm me. How many times have we been through heartache as a people, as individuals? You've been through tough situations. People have cheated you, have tried to play you, underpaid you, used you, but the Most High will be your defense. He protects us. He keeps us. I'm a witness of that. I have experienced that on so many levels and the most high always sustain me. Like the scriptures say, um, no weapon formed against you will prosper. The weapons will be formed. They will come up. They will show up in physical form, but they will not penetrate and prosper you to wipe you out because he made a promise to our ancestors. So that's the important portion of this whole thing is that even though you go through hard times, dark times, mishaps, all kinds of things happen. The Most High is still working on your behalf. And that's the important part that we have to realize and remember. So in verse 80, he continues to talk to his wives and talks about the speckled and the streaks and all the things he did. He's teaching them the business, what he went through, what his um, deal with it, the father was. He's explaining it to him so that the integrity is strong, so that the family can stand by him in truth. And you know, a woman loves when you're open and vulnerable with them. So they're like, I'm supporting you, baby. We got you. I know my, how my daddy is. <laughs> you know, Rachel and Leah was like, nah, we with you. We're going to support you. We see what you've done. Thank you for sharing that with us. Let's move forward. So Jacob was able to solidify things with his family. And move forward, that was wisdom. So man, men, that's a tool that we need to understand is that you can't just roughshod and I'm the man of the house. You got to submit to me, bow to me. If your wife is not on board and you haven't explained it to your family in honesty and in integrity and in vulnerability and being transparent, you're going to run into issues, more issues. And you don't want the woman going against you because once that happens, you're in deep trouble because you can't stop them. Uh, you can't stop what's going to happen. So you want to always be in the right stead. So it happened, verse 10, 31, 10. And it happened at the time when the flocks were conceived that I lifted up my eyes and I saw in a dream, behold, the rams leaped up and the flocks were streaked and speckled and spotted. So he was moving off of a dream and the angel of the Most High spoke to me in a dream saying, Jacob, and he said, here am I. He said, lift up your eyes and see all the rams and leap on the flocks that were streaked and speckled and gray spotted for I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the most high of Bethel. Remember he had went to Bethel earlier and you can listen to a previous podcast to learn more about there where you anointed the pillar 
and where you made a vow to me. Now arise, get out of this land and return to the land of your family. So he's explaining the dream. He's sharing with them the practical and the spiritual. And that's very important, man, that we need to share with our woman. Oh, the most high told me I'm supposed to do this and that, this and that. But honey, we'll be, what's the plan? It don't matter. You got to just follow me because I'm following the most high. Nah, share with her the plan. This is the plan because the most high shared with me, A, B, C, and D. Then the woman has the confidence. They have the security. They know that their children are going to be safe. They know they're going to be taken care of. They're willing to capitulate or support and, and uh, back you. Then Rachel and Leah answered him and said, is there still any portion or inheritance for us in our father's house? Are we not considered strangers by him? For he has told us that we are completely consumed and also completely consumed our money. Meaning we ain't got nothing at this house. My dad played us too. We already know how he operate and he took everything. For all the riches which the Most High has um, taken from our father are really ours and our children's now, therefore, whatever the Most High has said, do it. So they were supporting. They knew how, how crafty their dad was and how he had played them and left them no inheritance. So they wanted to be secure. They ain't had no money. See, the women are still the same. Is the money going to be there? Am I going to be secure? That's why even in most, in some cases, women will deal with a horrible man if he's supplying and, and providing for him financially. So that's a huge thing. Don't go into a relationship unless you are financially secure to handle the, the family that you're trying to build or the woman you are trying to marry. And that is um, understandable. So they said, whatever it is, do it. Then Jacob arose, verse 17, and set his sons and his wives on camels and carried away his livestock, all his possessions, all that he gained. He acquired in livestock. He gained in pot and a ram to go to his father's. Isaac in the land of Canaan. So his dad is still alive. He's like, I'm going back to my dad. I know my mom told me to leave because of Esau, but I'm going back to my father. I have enough wealth. I'm done here. I've outlived this place. I've outgrew it. I've been here for 20 plus. It's time for me to move forward. And that's such a beautiful thing. I see the reflection in my own life as I'm journeying and moving. I've been in California for 20 plus. And now the most high is expanding me and telling me, you need to move on to the next place, back to the land, back to Eden. So that's why we've been doing so much work back in the garden, aka African, the most high is establishing. Now, I didn't purposely follow the scriptures in that way, but when I look at my life and then I see it in the scriptures, I see the mirror. Oh, the same seed line. So that's an extremely important experience. I'm not trying to argue with people about, no, you're not. You can't be because of this and because of that. You can't fight experience. And this is something I've been experiencing since I was a child. And I see this beautiful ancestral documentation constantly being a guideline and a parameter, a barometer of my own life and what I need to be doing to stay in alignment with what the Most High promised to my ancestors. So it says now in Padan Haram, verse 18, Padan Haram, as we said earlier, as we look in the older maps, and if you go to Dave Rumsey Collections, shout out to Elder and Kosi who brought a lot of this information to my awareness, Padanaram is in modern day Nigeria and Cameroon. So this is all still happening in the continent, in the western part of the continent, western part of the garden where Shem's people are. So all of this was happening in that region. So it's really important to understand that as we move forward. Then we look and we see in verse 19, now Laban had gone to shear the sheep and Rachel has stolen the household gods that were her father's. So Rachel, once again, idolatry, 
just continuing to compound with some of these frail parts of her personality that was causing so much pain and struggle for her and ultimately was going to bring damnation to the whole foundation of the seed line. So we're seeing here that uh, Rachel had an incessant issue with doing things contrary to the way the Most High wanted and what was going to be helpful for nation building. She was going contrary and now took her father's gods and was going to bring those energies into her family, bringing baggage into the next generation, bringing it into the family. And the Most High God forbid that that happens. We're seeing here that Jacob is now moving forward and moving on his own and Rachel is bringing pathways or bringing in compromising pieces that could halt growth. So you want to make sure that your wife or your spouse, not only toward the wife or husband, isn't going to halt your growth by the actions and the alliances and the allegiance and the agreements that they have made or are making with idols. Verse 20, and Jacob stole away, meaning he he bounced. You know, he's like, I'm leaving. When they go to sleep, I'm out. Unknown to Laban, right here in this translation, it says Syrian, but it's Aram. He's from Aram, which is the last seed of Shem. So we're seeing these last seeds. That final seed is always sort of troubled because they're of the lowest pedigree, just like Canaan was the lowest pedigree of the land that they call Ham, but we see it as being Japheth as we continue to do the translation. But Canaan was an issue. That's why he became a servant because he uh, of what was pronounced on him from Noah. And then we're seeing that Aram, Laban was a lower tier seed who kept doing this wickedness that had passed down to his daughters and his daughters is now trying to push that into the next generation by carrying the idols. So we're seeing this, this pass down. Laban worship idols. He was tricky. He was deceptive. He was conniving. He was that. And Rachel and Leah was picking that up from their father. So the sins of the father will be passed down to the third and fourth generation. And we see that as a law later on as we, we move on into the book of Deuteronomy, which is further, further down the line. And we'll get there when we get there by his grace. So they fled. He left. He crossed the river in the mountains. He's out of there. Now Laban's like, what? You just leaving me? So he, once he found out that Jacob had fled, he took his his brethren and they went on a seven day journey through the mountains of Gilead. They were able to find them. And verse 24, but the Most High said to Laban from Aram, who's the son, the fifth son of Shem in a dream. So the Most High would always speak to them in dreams. He, he would appear to them physically because remember, they were at a high vibration and still interacted with the spirit realm very closely. That's why you would, he would see angels and see different things happening because it was at, at, at a higher state. Right now, we're at such a low frequency. And I was doing some studying on the frequency spectrum um, across what broadband and how we have certain radio waves that are used for telecommunication. And that vibration gets so high that they use it for x-rays and so forth and so on. So you're seeing that there's different vibrations in the earth realm. So it would make sense that there are different vibrations in the awareness and in the atmosphere that we live in, that there are humanoids and then there are other dimensions that we tap into or don't tap into. And at that time, they tapped into it because, first of all, they were in the garden. So the, the vibration in the garden is just super high. That's why it's very spiritual when you go there. So many different 
um, phenomenons outside of logic or Western thought processes happen on the garden because it's it's the place, it's the center of the earth where the Most High dwells. He chose to put his name and where he chooses to dwell. And we see the physical manifestation of that in the high concentration of minerals, the high concentration of animals, high concentration of of sustainability for the whole earth. The, the garden, aka Africa, sustains a large percentage of the earth, whether it be through its people or its minerals. This is what I'm talking about. So he had a dream by night. He said, be careful when you speak to a Kobe or Jacob, the firstborn, when you talk to them, be careful. Don't say nothing good or bad because I will come and visit you. So Laban overtakes Jacob, ask him, why did you leave? This is my children, blah, 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 you know, going through the whole nine. And he said, you didn't even allow me to kiss them. What you've done is foolish. And you know, I can hurt you. But I won't because the Most High told me, do not touch you and don't speak crazy to you or do nothing to you. So Jacob was very thankful, like, whoa, the Most High is with me because he's on my side. He is not going to allow Laban to harm me or any of that stuff. And then in verse 30, 31, 30, and now uh, you surely have gone and greatly long for the father's house. Why did you steal my gods? And Jacob is like, no one stole your gods. I was afraid of you because I didn't think you would allow me to have my daughters because I see how you operate. Da, 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 da. He begins to explain to him why he chose to leave without letting him know. And he said, For with whomever you find those gods, don't let him live in the presence of our brethren. I identify what is ours and take it with you. For Jacob did not know what Rachel had stolen. He didn't know that Rachel took those gods. And he said, let death come upon that person. So look what it was pronounced from the mouth of the, the, the seed carrying leader of the tribe. And it became a reality later on as we will get to that. So Laban went through the tent, was looking for it, moving things around, trying to find it. And verse 34, now Rachel had taken the household idols, but put them in a camel sack and sat on them. So she's on the camel and that little dip was sitting on and said, oh, father, I would get down, but you know, I'm having my menstrual right now and, and I'm, you know, the, the ceremony, I just forgive me. I can't move. He's like, okay, baby, that's cool. And they couldn't find it. So verse 36, Jacob was angry and rebuked Laban. Was like, Laban, why would you, why would you say I did that? What trespass have I done? You'll hotly pursue him. You're going crazy on me and you couldn't even find anything. Where's these gods you were talking about? I worked with you for 20 years. I, I took care of all your sheep. He really was able to share his heart and go off on him of all that stuff that was bottled up. He needed to get that out. And it was important for him to get that out. So he was able to get that out. And we see that throughout uh, verse 38, 39, uh, 40. And then in 41, it says, thus, I have been in your house 20 years. I've served you 14 years for two daughters, six years of your for your flock. And you changed my wages 10 times. So everything he was telling his wife, he's now telling Laban to his face because he's hot right now. And unless the God of my father, Abram, and the God of uh, uh, Isaac and the fear of Isaac had been with me, surely now would I have been sent away empty handed. If the Most High didn't give me favor, you would have sent me away empty handed. I wouldn't have had anything. But the Most High seen my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. So Laban was like, okay, listen. These are the daughters. These are my daughters. These are my children. These are my flocks. 
Now, therefore, come on, let's make a covenant. So after he said that to Laban, Laban had conviction and couldn't fight it. And his, and I'm sure his daughter's looking at him with the, the, the silly face like, mm-hmm, dad, you was over there doing all that. You ain't even leave us nothing. You playing him and da, da, da. You know all that was going on. So he was in a bad situation. He's like, man, I done wasted all their money. I done treated him wrong. All right, let's make a covenant. Let's gather. Let's, let's call bygones, be bygones, and let's move forward. So they made a covenant there and... Laban called it one thing, Jagar Sadakda, but Jacob was like, nah, that's what you call it. I call it Gilead. And Laban was like, okay, this is a witness to us right here at Mizpah. May the Most High judge between us um, right now. And he said, cool. So he left and Laban was able to move on with his life. And in verse uh, 53, it says, and the God of Abraham, the God of Nahor, which is Abram's brother, Used his, he used his grandfather's brother, so his great uncle, judge between us, and the God of their father, judge between us. So he went all the way to Tira. He, he locked it all the way in. And Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac. So he went by his father, by his, his grandfather, his great uncle, and by Tira, his great-great-grandfather. So he pulled on all the ancestors. Like, nah, you ain't finna play me. This is what that is. So he was able to reset and say, you know what? That's what it is. I get it. And we have to make the changes. So he arose early, kissed their kids and left. So we see a beautiful thing transpiring amongst our people. We're seeing a beautiful thing that happened in the scriptures. And as we reflect on these time periods, it is going to be important for us to understand how families are built so we can build the family structures again. Any place we find brokenness, any similarities we find, what is the actions? What were the steps that were taken? We know these key steps were taken. Obedience, realignment, staying away from wickedness, doing things that are done with intention, with integrity, because your integrity is what the Most High is going to use just like you can do negative things for fallen and demonic powers to come in, you do positive things for the Most High to come and dwell, for his spirit to come in and to saturate. And then he can move on our behalf. So as we begin to align ourselves with the ways of the Most High, we will see the beauty and the glory of the Father. We will pick up from chapter 32 onward in our next podcast.